Welcome to the Faith Podcast. Thank you for tuning in today. I'm Pastor Carrick Butler II. We believe today's message will empower you to make Jesus famous in every area of your life. Here's today's message. Amen. I take eyes to see. I take ears to hear. I forgive everybody of everything. I receive supernatural debt cancellation. The Word of God that I'm about to receive will enable me and empower me to make Jesus famous in my everyday life. You may be seated. Open your Bible to Deuteronomy chapter 8. Deuteronomy chapter 8. We're going to pick up with our Horizon series. We started this series near the end of December. And one of the things we saw in 1 Corinthians chapter 11 in the New American Standard Bible says, we can learn from the lives of those who were in the wilderness in the promised land for things that happened to them were for our instruction for those who live at the end of the age. So we've been looking through Deuteronomy and Joshua, seeing how God prepared the people and led the people to take the promised land so that we can possess what God has called us to possess. Amen? We called the series the Horizon Series because the first generation out of Egypt died in the wilderness, even though the promised land was right there. So for them, the promised land remained on the horizon, and they never received God's best. And we said, that's not going to be us in 2018. We're going to possess the promises of God. We're going to become the people we need to be to receive the promises. Amen? And so if you miss any of these messages, I encourage you to go onto our website, fccga.com, or go to our podcast so you can listen to all the messages for free. On Wednesday night, we've been taking a different direction, teaching on the love of God. Our whole goal on Wednesday nights for the next few weeks, maybe a few months, is to get us to such a point that we believe in the love of God beyond anything we've ever believed before. And one of the things you notice as we worship today and saying about the love of God, how it began to increase in the room. That's because faith has risen for the love of God. And as you began to sing about it, your faith was working, and you began to receive more from that revelation. So let's pick up where we're going to start today, Deuteronomy chapter 8. And we'll read most of this chapter. Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 1. All the commandments which I command you this day shall you observe or guard to do, that you may live and multiply and go in and possess the land which the Lord swear unto your fathers. And you shall remember, say remember, all the way which the Lord your God led you these 40 years in the wilderness to humble you. Now, you'll see this word humble a lot in this passage. But I looked it up, a few other translations said, to remove your pride. Say, remove your pride. Look at your neighbor and say, he's talking to you. Look at your second favorite neighbor and say, he's really talking to you. And to prove you, to know what was in your heart, whether you would keep his commandments or not. And he humbled you or removed your pride and allowed you to be hungry and fed you with manna, which you knew not, neither did your fathers know, that he might make you know that man does not live by bread only, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of the Lord does man live. See, the thing is, if man only lived by bread or by food, you get into the wilderness, you're stuck. But if you're in the wilderness and you have a word from God, It doesn't matter what's around you. If you have the word from God, everything has to manifest so you have what you need and more than enough. Your your raiment waxed not old upon you, neither did your foot swell these 40 years. God prospered them, took them into the wilderness where there are no malls. Some of you, oh, Lord, why would you do such a thing? But the thing is, They walked around in the desert, in their wilderness, even though there was a generation that was disobedient and their clothes did not wear out. Their shoes did not wear out. You might think, if you're walking around in the same shoes for 40 years, your shoes are going to wear out and you're going to have feet problems. They didn't have any feet problems whatsoever. Some of you are dealing with feet problems today. You're concerned about your feet swelling. You need to stand on this scripture. God, if you can take them in the wilderness for 40 years and their feet not swell, my feet aren't going to swell because you blessed me just like you blessed them. You shall also consider in your heart 
that as a man chastens or disciplines his son, so the Lord your God disciplines you. Therefore, you shall keep the commandments of the Lord your God to walk in his ways and to fear or reverence him. For the Lord your God brings you into a good land, a land of brooks of water, of fountains of depths that spring out of the valleys and hills, a land of wheat and barley and vines and fig trees and pomegranates, a land of oil, olive, and honey, a land wherein you shall eat bread without scarceness. There shall not lack anything in it. Say no lack. It's a land whose stones are iron, out of whose hills you may dig brass. When you have eaten and are full, then you shall bless the Lord your God for the good land which he has given you. Beware that you forget not. Say, don't forget. The Lord your God, and not keeping his commandments and his judgments and his statutes, which I command you this day, lest when you have eaten and are full and has built goodly houses and dwelt therein, and when your herds and your flocks multiply, and your silver and your gold is multiplied, and all that you have is multiplied, that your heart be lifted up and you forget. Say, don't forget. The Lord your God, which brought you forth out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage, who led you through the great and terrible wilderness where there are fiery serpents and scorpions and drought, where there was no water, who brought thee forth with water out of the rock of Flint, who fed you in the wilderness with manna, which your fathers knew not, that he might remove your pride, that he might prove you and do you good at the latter end. One of the reasons God wanted to remove their pride is so he could do them good at the latter end. And you say in your heart... My power and the might of my hand has gotten me this wealth. But you shall remember, say remember, the Lord your God. For it is he that gives you power to get wealth, that he may establish his covenant, which he swear unto your fathers as it is this day. That word establish is also translated confirm or fulfill. Because God gives you power to get wealth that he might fulfill the covenant he made to your ancestors. Remember, we said this is a year of fullness, overflow, and glory. We said that fullness is also fulfillment. Promises made, promises kept. God's telling this generation, I'm going to give you power to get wealth so I can keep my promise I made to Abraham. Now, what was that promise? Go to Genesis 12 real quick. We'll come back here. Genesis 12, verse 1. God gave them power to get wealth that he might fulfill the promise he made to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. It's called the covenant in some places, called the oath in other places in Genesis. But it all goes back to Genesis 12. Verse 1. Now the Lord had said unto Abram, get you out of your country and from your kindred and from your father's house unto a land that I will show you, and I will make you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great, and you shall be a blessing. And I will bless them that bless thee, and curse them that curse thee, and in you shall all families of the earth be what? This is a covenant, an oath, or a promise of blessing. So God tells this generation coming out of the wilderness, I'm going to give you power to get wealth so I can fulfill the promise of blessing I made to Abraham. Now, why did God make that promise to Abraham and to his children and his seed? Go to Deuteronomy chapter 7. Deuteronomy chapter 7, verse 7. Deuteronomy chapter 7, verse 7. It says, the Lord did not set his love upon you, nor choose you, because you are more in number than any people, for you are the fewest of all people. But because the Lord loved you, and because he would keep the oath which he had sworn unto your fathers. We just saw what that oath was. In you shall all nations of the earth be blessed. Has the Lord brought you out with a mighty hand and redeemed you out of the house of bondmen from the hand of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. Verse 13, and he will love you and bless you. See, it's God's great desire to bless his people, and that desire is born out of love. And multiply you, he will also bless the fruit of your womb and the fruit of your land, your corn and your wine and your oil, the increase of your kind, and the flocks of your sheep, 
and the land which you swear unto your fathers to give you, you shall be blessed above all people. There shall not be male or female barren among you or among your cattle. What is in summary? Because God loves you, he's going to bless everything you got. There's not going to be a piece of your life that is not blessed. So go to chapter 8 again. So he said, I took you out of Egypt because I loved you. I led you through the wilderness to remove your pride so that I can do you good at the latter end, which implies if you stay in your pride, you won't see the good. If you stay in your pride, you won't see the fullness of my blessing. Pride is an inhibitor of the blessing. Pride is an inhibitor of the blessing. Some of y'all have marriages issues, or frankly, some of y'all marriages suck because you're full of pride. Well, he was wrong, she was wrong. No, y'all both wrong. Get it together. Your pride is keeping you from experiencing the goodness of God. What does it say about pride? Pride goes before a destruction. It goes before a fall. And some of you are setting yourself up for a fall because you're full of pride. And what does the pride look like in Deuteronomy chapter 8? I did this. I made myself successful. I am a self-made person. I did it. No one else helped me. It was me, 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 me. Never giving credit to God. Never recognizing the power of God. You get full of pride. And you look just like your enemy. See, Satan is the proud one. He got kicked out of heaven with his seven eyes. I will do this. I will do that. I will make myself like God. I will sit on God's throne. I, 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 bam. Whoop. First backhand in the Bible. Your pride will keep you from receiving what God has for you. Humility is not thinking you're some horrible person. Humility is believing what God said. And yielding to God's ways. If God says I'm blessed, I'm blessed. And I'm not going to say I know more than God, so I'm going to do things his way. Because every time you think, well, yeah, that doesn't apply to 2018, you're saying, I know better than the one who knows everything. That's pride. You get the big head, you think more of yourself than you ought, and you set yourself up for destruction. And you miss out on the God who gives you power to get wealth. Maybe some of you haven't seen the full manifestation of that power because you have pride. It's not just rich people who are prideful. You can be poor and broke and proud. I don't want to ask anybody for help because they they might think I'm not a faith person. That's pride. Well, I'm not going to study or research how to better myself because my industry is always going to be there. It's going to come back one day. Pride. I'm not going to take time to pray because I'm too busy. I got to do this, that, and the other. Pride. I can't come to church every Sunday. You don't know what I got going on. I have to take a few Sundays off. Pride. And you're missing out on what God has for you. He said, I took you this way to remove your pride. Are there some things you're going through because God is removing your pride that if you would just give up your pride, it'd be over? He was like, well, I don't know why, I'm str- I don't know why this is going on because you're full of pride. And once you get out of pride, you'll be out of the situation. Once you ask that person to forgive you and stop holding on to offense, once you decide to walk in love, once you decide to do things God's way, everything that's keeping you in that situation gets to move because you let go of the pride. And if you're holding on to pride, Satan has a hold on you. It's God's great desire to bless his people. That desire is born out of love, but if you stay in pride, you won't see the fullness of God's love or blessing. So what does this blessing look like on his people? Go to Deuteronomy chapter 28. He said, I want to remove your pride, and I want you to remember. Don't forget it's my power that did this. As you turn to Deuteronomy 28, it says, it's the power of God that makes the difference. 
Deuteronomy 28. And remember we said the book of Deuteronomy is the second giving of the law. It's composed of two great speeches of Moses right before he dies and the children of Israel go into the promised land. And so Deuteronomy chapter 28 verse 1, it says, if you, And it shall come to pass if you shall hearken diligently unto the voice of the Lord your God. And weeks prior we said hearken means to listen and obey, not just listen. To observe or to observe and guard and to do all the commandments which I command you this day, that the Lord your God will set you on high above all nations of the earth. And all these blessings shall come on you and overtake you if you shall hearken unto the voice of the Lord your God. Blessed shall you be in the city. Blessed shall you be in the field. doesn't matter if you're in the inner city, if you're in the suburbs, if you're in the country, the blessing will be on you. Blessed shall be the fruit of your body and the fruit of your ground and the fruit of your cattle and the increase of your kind and the flocks of your sheep. It's the blessing that makes you fruitful. Remember we said three things to focus on this year. Focus on fullness, focus on fruitfulness, focus on fire. If you want the good works that you do to be fruitful, the blessing has to be in operation. Blessed shall, your, shall be your basket and your store. Blessed shall you be when you go in. Blessed shall you be when you go out. So everywhere you go, everything you do is going to be blessed. It says, the Lord shall cause your enemies that rise up against you to be smitten before your face. They shall come out against you one way and flee before you seven ways. What is verse 7? It's the blessing. The victory that you want to experience is brought by the blessing. The blessing of God brings victory. Verse 8, the Lord shall command the blessing upon you in your storehouses and all that you set your hand unto. And he shall bless you in the land which the Lord your God gives you. The Lord shall establish you a holy people unto himself as he sworn unto you. If you shall keep the commandments of the Lord your God and walk in his ways. And all the people of the earth shall see that you are called by the name of the Lord. And they shall be afraid of you. The Lord shall make you plenteous in goods and the fruit of your body and the fruit of your cattle and the fruit of your ground. And the land which the Lord swear unto your fathers to give you. The Lord shall open unto you his good treasure, the heaven, to give the rain unto your land in his season, and to bless all, say all, all, the work of your hand. And you shall lend unto many nations, and you shall not borrow. And the Lord shall make you the head and not the tail. You shall be above only, you shall not be beneath, if you shall hearken unto the commandments of the Lord your God, which I command you this day to observe and to do them. This is the result of the blessing. All of these verses are the result of God's blessing in action. In the book of Deuteronomy alone, the word bless, and meaning God blessing them, is used 16 times. The word blessed, 14 times, and blessing, 13 times. If it's mentioned once, it's important. If it's twice, it's important. But all of those times, God wants you to pay attention to something. A continual theme throughout this book is the blessing of the Lord. To bless is defined as to cause to prosper or to empower to prosper. To cause to prosper or to empower to prosper. The blessing is an invisible force of God's power that prospers his people. God is telling them as you go into the promised land, there's going to be something working that you can't see. You keep doing the things that I'm telling you to do so what you can't see can keep working so you can receive what you actually want to see. The blessing is the, empower, the empowerment to prosper. So let's look at what else is involved in the blessing and victory. Go to Exodus 23. It's the power of God that makes a difference. You may have not run into it yet, but one day you're going to run into something you're not smart enough to handle. You don't have enough resources to handle. You don't know the right people to get a handle. But even if you run into a situation like that, it is the power of God that makes a difference. You might say, well, I had this situation, but I knew the right people. It was the power of God that put the right people in your life. Well, I knew what to do. It was the power of God that gave you the wisdom to know what to do. It is the power of the almighty God that makes the difference, not you. Because if you always think it's you, you're full of pride. Here's how you can deal with pride. If it's good, it's God. If it's bad, it's you. <laughs> Exodus 23, verse 20. 
Notice what God told him. Behold, I sent an angel, say angel, before you to keep you in the way, to bring you into the place which I prepared. He's talking about taking them to the promised land. Verse 23, for my angel, say angel, shall go before you and bring you unto the Amorites, unto the Hittites, to the Perizzites, the Canaanites, the Hivites, the Jebusites, all the other ites, and I will cut them off. You shall not bow down to their gods, nor serve them, nor do after their works, but you shall utterly overthrow them and quite break down their images. And you shall serve the Lord your God, and he shall bless your bread and your water, and I will take sickness away from the midst of you. When people stand on healing, they quote this verse, but it seems like the pronouns are kind of out of order. Because it says, you shall serve the Lord your God, and he shall bless your bread and your water, and I will take sickness away from the midst of you. Right? But when you break that verse down in context, God said, I'm going to take sickness away from the midst of you. And I'm going to send my angel. He's going to bless your bread and your water. Angels are agents of the blessing. Angels are agents of the blessing. And when God wants his blessing to be in operation, it's not just this invisible force, but there's invisible agents that are helping and assisting you to prosper. You cannot forget about the ministry of angels. They're sent to minister unto those who are heirs of salvation. If you're a believer, if you're born again, you're an heir of salvation. There are angels assigned to help you out. Now, you may not see the result of their ministries because you kept them bound up somewhere. Because if you're full of pride, your angels can't help you. If you're not operating in the blessing, there's very limited things your angels can do. And a lot of us have our angels on the unemployment line saying, we will work if you would stop having the big head. We could do so many things for you if you got on God's plan and God's timing and God's schedule. Did you forget that you have angels? Did you forget that it's the power of God that makes the difference? Or have you been so brainwashed by the world saying it's only what I can do? It's only what I can learn. It's only the people I know. It's only what the government can give me. Did you forget it is the power of God that makes a difference? Go to Proverbs 10, 22. The blessing is the power of God to prosper. Proverbs 10, 22. Proverbs chapter 10, verse 22. The blessing of the Lord, it maketh rich, and he adds no sorrow with it. The blessing of God will not make you poor. So stop thinking poverty is a blessing. I was listening to one minister who has a great relationship with different Jews and Jewish believers, and they say, can you help us out real quick? Why do y'all Christians think it's a good thing to be broke? There's nothing in our Bible or in our history that says it's good to be broke. And you guys believe the same thing we do, so why do you think it's good to be broke? Why have we listened to religion that says you should be broke? Why do we listen to the world that says, no, Christians shouldn't have that much money, but give it all to the superstar? Because they'll talk about you being rich, whether you are a preacher or not. They will talk about you being rich, but they say, well, that superstar should have all the money. Why have we let the world or religion rob us of what God wanted us to have in the first place? See, when I was in Africa preaching, in Africa, preaching in Zimbabwe, I said, it doesn't matter what the colonias stole from you or told you, God does not want you to be broke. It is the blessing of God that's supposed to make the difference. No one in the Bible did God say, I want you to be broke so I can teach you something and you can grow. Now, a lot of people make bad decisions, and they learn things in their bad decisions. And they say, oh, I'm just so thankful I learned something. Well, I'm glad you learned something, but I wish you learned it when you weren't broke. Well, if I, 
Wasn't sick. I never knew Jesus could heal. Yeah, you can learn he can heal through the Bible. You don't have to be sick to know he could heal. You could either learn from the word of God or you can let life kick your butt and teach you a lesson. It's easier to learn from the word of God. You know, something my parents' generation would always say, and some of you have heard this phrase before, a hard head makes a soft behind. And some of you, because you're full of pride and have a hard head, have a soft behind because life has been kicking your tail. Because you're doing things your way. But if you keep doing things your way, you'll miss out on what God has for you, even though he loves you more than you can imagine. It's not a question, does God love you? It's not a question, has God forgiven you? It's not a question, does God want you to be blessed? It's a question, will you line yourself up so you can receive the blessing? It's not even a question of grace. It's a question, will you do your responsibility to grace? Go to Joshua chapter 1. Joshua chapter 1. Joshua chapter 1, verse 7. We've looked at this passage multiple times in the last 10 weeks or so. Joshua chapter 1, verse 7. Only be thou strong and very courageous that you may observe to do according to all the law, which Moses, my servant, commanded you. Turn out from it from the right hand or to the left, that you may what? Wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth, means you need to keep saying it, but you shall meditate. That word meditate means to say, to imagine, to think over, to say to yourself, to roar, day and night, that you may observe. The word observe means to guard, to do according to all that is written therein, because then you shall make your way what? And then you shall have good. So when he's saying the phrase prosper wherever you go, make your way prosperous, have good success, This is the result of the blessing of the Lord. So he's telling Joshua, if you stay in the word every day, if you save the word every day, if you think on the word every day, if you imagine the word every day, when you get before your enemies, if you roar the word every day, then you're going to line your life up so the blessing can work. It's not a question, is the blessing strong enough? It's a question, have you unplugged the blessing? Because the thing is, you can have a great vehicle. But if you don't put fuel in it, or you have an electric car, if you don't charge it, it can be the best vehicle in the world, but it ain't going nowhere. You've unplugged it. Have you short-circuited the blessing in your life? When God wants to do amazing things for you, you saying about Ephesians 3.20 earlier, exceedingly, abundantly, far above all you can ask or think, according to the power that's at work in you. So how much you experience Ephesians 3.20 is how much you let the power work in you. So if you only let a low level of power work, that's all you can get, a low level of Ephesians 3.20. But as much as you line your life up with the Word of God, is how much the power can work so you can experience exceedingly abundantly of all you ask, think, pray for, or imagine. There's a responsibility you have to do. A lot of people want to walk in church, want me to wave the Bible over them, want God to change their life so they can do whatever they want to do. But that's not how it works. God gave you something wonderful. It's called choice. You are a free moral agent. Ephesians 1 talks about how God has already blessed you with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. It's already yours. But you may not experience it if you choose not to receive it. A lot of things say it's up to God. No, it's up to you. God has already done everything necessary for you to be blessed. It's on you. What is you going to do? Go to Psalm 103. So Joshua meditating the word day and night will cause his life to cooperate with the blessing. He is guarding his life to keep it in a place where the blessing can work on its highest level. In days like these, 
with what we're facing, you need the blessing to work on its highest level. Because Joshua now has to do something that Moses didn't do. Joshua has to take the Israelites into the promised land and cause them to inherit an over 400-year-old promise. Moses didn't do it. But God has called Joshua to do it. Joshua was born in Egypt. Joshua was born a slave. Everyone's probably going to say, you couldn't do it. If Moses couldn't do it, what makes you think you can do it? But God told Joshua, if you stay in this book day and night, if you think on this book day and night, if you speak this book day and night, you're going to prosper wherever you go. You're going to have good success, and I'm going to be with you just like I was with Moses. And Joshua and his generation were successful. When you read the book of Joshua, it gets to one of the verses later on. It says, not one promise of God failed them. Everything that God said came to pass. You know, should, you, should Jesus tarry? You should get to a place at the end of your life. You tell all your kids, your grandkids, your great-grandkids, your great-great-grandkids. You tell them your story and said, every promise of God came to pass. Not one thing did God fail me on. And if you follow God, he'll do the same thing. I'll see y'all later. I'm out. And that's how you should go. To have a testimony. God did everything he told me he was going to do. Psalm 103, verse 20. says, bless the Lord, ye his angels, that excel in strength, that do his commandments, hearkening unto the voice of his word. Bless ye the Lord, all ye hosts, ye ministers of his, that do his pleasure. Now, we already talked about how angels are agents of the blessing. Now, Joshua staying in the word day in and day out, thinking on it and saying it, would help him do at least three things. It'll keep his mouth right, it'll keep his eyes right, and it'll keep his life right. It'll keep his mouth right, it'll keep his eyes right, it'll keep his life right. Say, I need to keep my mouth right. My eyes right and my life right. Why? Psalm 103 verse 20 says the angels hearken unto the voice of his word. Angels hearken to the voice of God's word. How many believe that? You saw that in the scripture. Now notice it said the voice of his word. It didn't say the voice of God. Even though the voice of God is the voice of his word. We can see that, right? But if you put God's word in your mouth and give it voice, angels will listen to you. If you begin to speak the word of God like Joshua spoke the word of God, your angels have something to do. This is one of the ways you cooperate with the blessing because you're continually speaking what does the word say. One of the things that I have in the morning, I have a book by Charles Capps. It's a book that has different faith confessions and scriptures concerning healing, concerning prosperity, concerning wisdom, and other things. And so I open it up, and I read it out loud. What I'm doing, like Joshua, meditating the Word day and night. There's some things I want to manifest. You know, a couple weeks ago, I was fighting some type of sickness in my body. And so I was like, you know what? There's stuff I know to do in the natural. I know I need to rest. And I put all the, out my healing scriptures. And so the first thing I did, I was like, I'm going to go to sleep but I'm going to go to sleep listening to healing. So even though the world wants to talk about Gloria Copeland, I'm putting on her message on healing. And so that's what I did. And it's like two hours. It's all up on, online for free, listening again and again. Had faith playing all night long. Woke up, it's like, oh, look, that's Gloria Copeland. Oh, look, hey, Brother Copeland. Hey, look, it's Jeremy. What I'm doing, I'm building my faith as I'm doing things in the natural. I got vitamin C up the wazoo, but I'm still on the word of God. And so I pull out my healing scriptures. By his stripes, I am healed. He sent his word and he healed them. He takes sickness away from the midst of me. I'm going over healing scriptures. That day I told my wife I lived off of Gatorade and healing scriptures. And by the next day I was better. What is that? I'm cooperating with the blessing. You have to learn to put the word in your mouth and keep it there. Not just say the word on Sundays. You have to be word people. Not just people who believe the word, but people who speak the word on a continual basis. Because if you do, your angels will have something to work with. Give your angels something to work with. 
You may be facing something in your life, so I don't know what to do. Find a promise of God's word and say it all the time. The blessing will work. The angels will work. And then it says they do his pleasure. I have next to my Bible a quote from Psalms. It said, God takes pleasure in the prosperity of his servant. Angels want to prosper you. But you have to line up your mouth, keep your eyes right, and keep your life right to receive the full benefit. A lot of people think, well, I'm okay because I ran into a blessing over there. And, you know, 60 days later I saw another blessing. And a year later I saw another blessing. Well, I'm doing pretty good. Stop living from moment to moment thinking where does another blessing going to arrive and live the blessed life. The blessed life is more than a hashtag. It's supposed to be your lifestyle. Go to Psalm 1. So if you want angelic assistance, you have to keep your mouth right. It's like what the Apostle James said. He says, with our mouth we bless God and we cuss out men. It shouldn't be that way. Either you're going to speak blessing or you're going to speak cursing. You need to pick. Because if God turned the power up on you to the fullest extent, you cuss someone out on 285, the car blows up. You have to control your mouth. You have to control your tongue. You don't always have to say something. Interesting. See, that's a safe word, you know. Sometimes you just have to find a safe word. Oh, they straight crazy. Interesting. Why? Guard your mouth. Because you can have what you say. Imagine if everything you said came to pass. I'm not talking about what you say in church. I'm talking about when y'all leave this parking lot. Everything you said. So with your mouth, are you cooperating with the blessing? Or are you cooperating with the curse? Because the curse is in the earth. It came in when Adam sinned. God said, curse is the earth because of you. So what was originally the blessing on Adam became the curse. And there's a force called the curse within empowerment to fail that's working in the earth. Depending on what you're saying, you're either cooperating with the blessing or the curse. Because, well, how is this thing getting in my life? Look at your mouth. Psalm 1, verse 1. Blessed is the man that walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. How does he not do that? His delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law does he meditate day and night, just like Joshua. And what does that do to him? He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth his fruit in season. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever, say whatsoever, he does shall prosper. There's a place you can get that everything you do works out. It's part of something I say every day. That God even caused my mistakes to prosper. Because you can be in the word day in, day out, walk in the blessed life and still make a mistake. But the blessing can make it work for you. Because if you stay on God's path, God has your back. It's like, oh, I messed up. God's like, I got you. And God wants that to be your reality. But you have to watch your mouth. And you have to watch your eyes. Well, I'm saying watch your eyes. The Amplified of Luke 11.34 says it this way. The eye is the lamp of your body. When your eye is clear, spiritually perceptive, focused on God, your whole body also is full of light, benefiting from God's precepts. But when it is bad, spiritually blind, your body is also full of darkness, devoid of God's word. So if you keep your eyes on the word of God, your entire life will benefit from the precepts and the blessing of God's word. But you have to keep your eyes on the word of God. You have to listen to the word of God more than just Sunday. One of the things we encourage people to do, yes, come to church on Sunday and Wednesday, but at least read a chapter out loud every single day and at least listen to one message every single day. Why? You're renewing your mind. Your mind has to be renovated, even if you grew up in church. Because even if you grew up in a great church, it's sometimes religion that was taught to you anyways. 
Because we have people who grew up great men and women of God, but they grew up in a generation thinking that God is trying to get you. They may be living holy, but they're living holy out of fear thinking God's going to zap me. But as they kept walking with God and seeing revelation, they realized God is not trying to zap them. God is trying to bless them. And so now, even though they lived that way 40, 50 years, now they got to renew their mind to say, wait a minute, God loves me extravagantly. Now I have to change my mindset from religion to Bible. And we live in the world. We're not of the world, but we live in it. And so the world is affecting your thinking without you knowing it. But if you stay in the Word of God, the Word of God can correct your thinking. Because there may be some good things, but they may not be God things. So the person that stays in the Word is blessed. As we see in Psalm 1, they have staying power. It keeps you grounded. So things may happen, but it can't push you over. Because if you are like the, person, the parable, the person who hears and does the Word of God, they're built on a rock. The storm comes, but the storm can't knock them over. I guarantee you, storms will come. If you don't know that, you're not old enough. You will see storms will come to everybody. But the people that build their life on the Word of God have staying power. Just because the wind blows, just because lightning flashes, just because it thunders, just because it's tides, I ain't going nowhere. Why? I'm built on the rock. I'm living on the Word. The blessing is at work. You try to damage my house, the blessing will fix it and give me more money. You need to get to a place where you're too expensive for Satan to mess with. You dare mess with someone in my family, I'm going to get 10 people saved. Watch me. Someone in my family got sick, I'm about to go get 10 people healed. Try me. You have to develop that mentality. What is that mentality? The mentality of an overcomer. The mentality of a winner. Stop thinking of Satan as some great big figure that you can't handle. Greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. That made you greater than the enemy by association alone. Satan is not even in your class. He's a fallen angel. You're born again. You're in the God class. So stop being afraid of the devil and live like he's afraid of you. Let's go to Joshua chapter 6. So keeping your eyes in the word brings benefits to your entire life. Keep your mouth right. Keep your eyes right. Keep your life right. And don't fight against the blessing. And notice when we looked at these examples, he says he's going to bless the work of your hands. Bless the work of your hands. Bless the work of your hands. So don't say, well, God told me to stop working. No, he didn't stop lying on my Jesus. <laughs> well, you said he's going to meet all my needs, so I'm going to stay at home. My Jesus did not say that. Stop lying on my Jesus. He said he was going to bless the work of your hands. So you need to go to work. Let's try that again. You need to go to work. All right, this side, I want you to tell this side. Tell them you need to go to work. Let's try it over here. You tell this side. Say, you need to go to work. The blessing is going to be on your work. The blessing is going to be on your hustle. The blessing is going to be on your grind. You can't be lazy. You got to work. You got to apply yourself. He says, well, I, this job's not going to meet my needs. It's not the job's job to meet your needs. It ain't the government's job to meet your needs. It's Jesus' job. But Jesus expects you to work. Apply yourself. Learn. Research. Grow. If you need to, open up another business. Then do another one and another one. Well, how many? As many as God says. Stop being so reactionary. See, the people who make money during economic downturns are people who can see it coming, prepare themselves, and they're ready. We have to be a people that grows and understands economic principles so we can put the blessing to work so even if things go down, we can help other people. 
We're not subject to the times, but people who are subject to the times, we can help them and meet their needs and say, hey, we're paying this bill off as a representative of Jesus. That's what the blessing wants to do. And so when you go to work, say work. work. Expect a blessing to work. As you put in your 40 hours, 60 hours, however many hours, expect the blessing to make the difference. Expect the blessing to do what Deuteronomy 28 says, lift you up higher than all the heathen. That's what also nations translate. But if the blessing is going to lift you up, it can't lift you up and you be lazy. Get into work when you feel like it. Doing half jobs. You have to have a spirit of excellence just like Daniel. So the blessing can show out on your life and Jesus can get the glory. So you have to apply yourself. You have to work hard and let the blessing take you further than what your natural efforts can do. Don't forget the blessing is available to you. But you have to talk about that blessing when you go to work. You're about to walk on the job. The blessing is working for me right now. If I don't know what to do, the blessing is going to show me what to do. Whatever I do will prosper today. Some of you people who are in sales need to call sales in. Even if it's a downtime. Angels, go get me sales. Cause my marketing to be full of the favor and the blessing of God. Let my marketing ad not be able to get out their minds. Father, grant them a desire to actually listen when I call. Because you can go and cold calls. Hi, I'm so, click. Hi, I'm click. Hi, I'm click. Hi, bleep, 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 bleep. Oh, click. You're like, well, how am I supposed to prosper if nobody answers the phone? But what if you had something called favor? And the favor of God surrounds you as a shield. So before people encounter you, they encounter the favor of God. And so you make a cold call, and all of a sudden, people want to listen to you. It's like, you know what, my favorite show's on, but I don't want to watch it. I want to talk to you. It's the blessing at work. You do know what you're supposed to do in the natural, and you speak so the blessing can work. You keep your eyes on the word of God so the blessing can work. You know, one of the things I've told the story before, that while I was in ministry school, I worked for Best Buy. And then when I was in college, I worked for Finish Line. And so... My senior year, I think I had four jobs. Two were for scholarship, two were for paycheck because I didn't believe in being a broke college student. And I had 18.5 credit hours. So I'm constantly moving. A professor asked me, how do you do it? I said, grace and caffeine. (laughs) And so when I was at, well, selling shoes, I never sold shoes before. God had blessed me with this opportunity, blessed me with the paycheck. And I said, because they blessed me, I want them to be blessed. So the blessing is working in the store. Now, there are only two stores in the area, one at the nice mall and one at the mall in the area. My family says, you're never supposed to go down there. So guess where I was working? The place that I had never went to before until I filled out my application. The place where all the fights would go when the Jordan came out. And so I was like, the blessing's going to work. I'm not running into these issues. And so my first day on the job in four hours, I sold over $1,000 worth of product. And they looked at me. I said, oh, it's because you worked in retail before. Like, you can think whatever you want to think. And it kept going. So one day in less than four hours, I sold over $2,000. And they said, Carrick, you have covered the cost to hire you and somebody else. Why? I'm believing the blessing to work in this company because they blessed me. And so it got to the point where the vice president of operations in that company would call my manager and say, hey, how's Carrick doing? And so the manager I was already had favor with, he told other people, so y'all better be nice to him. The vice president knows him by name. <laughs> well, the blessing kept working. You know, they would offer me just say, hey, you stay with us 13 months, this and this, this is the salary, this is the benefits, this and this. I'm like, Jesus, it would be great. I could work this during the week because, you know, the man of God needs Jordans to preaching on Sunday. You know, I was reasoning it. <laughs> but it wasn't the path God wanted me to go on. But what was making the difference? Yes, I applied myself. Yes, I worked hard. Yes, I did the principles they taught me at the job. But the blessing was working. 
You need the blessing to work in your life. So Joshua chapter 6. So Joshua chapter 6, they're about to take Jericho. So for seven days, they've walked around it. Seven days, they march around seven times. See, God has strategies that don't make sense to your natural mind. Joshua, God, how are we supposed to take Jericho? Here's a great battle plan. Okay, Joshua, I'm ready. I'm, I'm ready, God. Walk around the whole city. Say so what? Do it again. Six days. And on the seventh day, here's the kicker. Walk around it seven times. You know, Joshua thinking, God, the people are going to think I'm crazy. Tell them we're going to march around the city and then shout because there's power in your shout that you won't know how to doubt if you learn how to shout. There's power in your shout. And it's great that you learn how to shout at church. But you know how to shout in your prayer closet. You need to know how to shout when life faces you. That you can lift your voice and give God all the glory when it looks like you're about to lose because you know the blessing is going to work. So we tell Joshua, shout because I've given you the city. So Joshua tells the people, here's what we're going to do. Here's where we're going to go. God's going to give the city. But when you go into the city, don't keep anything for yourselves. Everything in this city belongs to God. All the silver and the gold goes into the treasury of God. King James used a phrase, accursed. It's actually translated to other places, devoted. All the things in that city are devoted to God. So they shout, the walls fall, they take the city. They all realize these are devoted things. The first city in the promised land. This belongs to God. You know, that sounds like the tithe. The going into the promised land, the first fruits, the tithe, belong to God. Don't touch the devoted thing. 40,000 men march on Jericho. They take the city. Then, a few days later, there's a tiny little city called Ai. They said, we don't need 40,000 people to take the city. Send two or 3,000. We'll take it in a day. We'll go home. So Joshua and them, they go to battle. They're expecting Jericho all over again. They're expecting when they took down the giant called Og. They're thinking about victory. But they couldn't take a small city. And it wasn't a stalemate. This little city made the Israelites run away. They chased them down. And what was worse, over 30 lost their lives. And so Joshua, in chapter 7, rips his clothes, comes before God and begins to cry. God, what have you done? Why do we lose? Now everyone's going to hear we can't take a small city and they're all going to get together and come kill us and wipe us out from the face of the earth. And Joshua's crying on the ground like, what did I do? What did you do? Why am I in this position? And you know what God says? Get up. And you know, Joshua's going, what do you mean? This is get up. He said, there's sin in the camp. What happened? Someone touched a devoted thing. There was this man named Achan. He was taking the city. He was fighting, doing what he was supposed to do. It says he saw this garment from Babylon. Saw some silver and some gold. God ain't going to miss this. God ain't going to care. Runs to his tent, hides it under the dirt, and goes on living his life. What happened to Israel? The blessing stopped working. God's not going before them to fight and battle through his angels or through his blessing. And they experienced a defeat, which should have been an easy victory, because the blessing wasn't working. They touched the devoted thing. What have you touched in your life that's caused the blessing to stop working? When God wants the blessing to work, and you were saying, well, God really doesn't mind. See, God didn't make them lose. 
They lost by themselves because they stopped the blessing from working. Christians lose all the time, not because God wants them to lose, but because they stopped the blessing from working. They lose because they don't keep their eyes right, they don't keep their mouth right, they don't keep their life right. And they make up different doctrines. See, God doesn't mind if I do this sin. It's okay. It's 2018. It's not sin anymore. If it was sin then, it's sin now. And so they make up different doctrines to appeal to the unrenewed, reprobate minds, to appeal to their flesh, and they lose in life. And then they make up doctrines and say, well, it's just God's will for me to lose. It was just God's will for me to be sick. It was God's will for me to be broken. It was just God's will for me to have this. No, it wasn't. It was your will. They touched the devoted thing. And God said, the curse is working in Israel. It was so near to the beginning of their fight. So they handled the problem. They go on and take I and take the rest of the promised land of Joshua's generation. And it was the blessing that did the work. One of the things the Israelites realized was we're not as good at warriors as we thought we were. We thought, you know, they kind of forgot. Man, we took down giants. We took down kings. We took down Jericho. We're doing pretty good. We don't need this big army. Did you forget? That's what Moses says, don't forget. See, I know you don't dance, you make money moves. I know you got red bottom shoes. But did you forget who gave them to you? Yes, you're prospering. Yes, you finally got some money in the bank. But did you forget how it got there? Yes, you married. Yes, you got the family you want. But did you forget who brought your family together? Yes, you finally got some energy and strength in your body. Yes, you're healthy, but did you forget who healed you? And now that you're at a place where you want to be, you start doing things you want to do. You have forgotten that it is the power of God that makes the difference. And then you begin to touch the devoted thing, and you wonder why things aren't working anymore. Why is my faith not working anymore? I need to stop going to church because this church thing's not working. This is just an imagination of the man. They created Jesus anyways. Let me post this meme because I know so much to stop going to church. They touch the devoted thing. And once strong believers live just like the world, and they wonder, where is my God? touched the devoted thing, the blessing stopped working, and they got the result of their actions. Say, touch not the devoted thing. So you have to get to the place in your life that I'm going to do whatever it takes so the blessing keeps working. I'm not willing to sacrifice the blessing. Because without the blessing working, without the power of God working, I'm done. My goose is cooked. I need the power of God. I need the blessing of God. I need the wisdom of God. I need the angels of God. I need the blood of Jesus. I need the word of God. I need the Holy Ghost. I need him. You have to get to an understanding. Yes, we're Westerners. Yes, we're so advanced in what we think we're advanced in. But we can't get so advanced that we think we're okay by ourselves. We need him. We need his word, we need his power, and we can't forget that. Did you forget? Because Moses said, when you forget, you're going to start doing things your own way. And then you're going to experience defeat. And the sad story about Israel is they did forget. Then they remember and God will bless them. Then they'd forget. Then they remember. Then they forgot. Then they remember. Happened for thousands of years. God is merciful. His love never quits. But you don't have to experience blessing here, no blessing there, blessing here, no blessing there. If you line up your life and you choose not to touch the devoted thing. Because one of the things that Israel do when they forget, and Hosea said it this way, they forgot that I blessed them. They forgot that I'm the one who multiplied the silver. I'm the one that multiplied the gold. 
They forgot I gave it to them. They forgot and they took what I gave them and they gave it to Baal. They forgot. Have you forgotten? Let's close here. Go to Malachi 3. Malachi 3, verse 7. Malachi chapter 3, verse 7. Malachi chapter 3, verse 7. Even from the days of your fathers, you are gone away from my ordinances and have not kept them. Why haven't they kept them? They forgot. You see, in one of their awakenings, when you read through Chronicles and Kings, there was a man who set his heart to follow God, didn't know much about God, but he wanted to serve God. It's honorable. It says they found a copy of the book of Deuteronomy in the temple. How far can the people of God get that they forget everything and they just found a copy of the Bible? So, hey, look we found in the temple. And they begin to read it, and then they begin to weep going, how far have we fallen? They had forgotten. Just like what the prophet Malachi is saying. He says, return unto me, and I will return unto you, says the Lord of hosts, or the God of angel armies. But you said, wherein shall we return? And here's God's response. He says, you left me. He said, I didn't leave you, you left me. Will a man rob God? Yes, because you robbed me. But you say, wherein have we robbed you? In tithes and in offerings. You are cursed with the curse. Now, does it mean God cursed them? No. They made life decisions to line up with the curse. So now the curse is working in their lives. Bring ye some of the tithes, part of the tithes, Groupon tithes, IOUs, the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be meat or provision in my house. When you read the Old Testament, God told them to tithe. There are many different offerings, many different gifts. But the main tithe was for the care of the temple and for the Levites. Now, when we think of Levites, we think of those teaching priests and the singers. But when you study out the Old Testament, those aren't the only Levites. The people who secured the temple, they were Levites. The people who cleaned the temple, they were Levites. The people who counted the sacrifices, they were Levites. All the people who all of their lives was for the temple were from the tribe of Levi. He said that there might be provision in my house, that there might be provision for the Levites, there might be provision for the temple. And what does he say next? Bring ye all the tithes in the storehouse, that there may be meat or provision in my house, and put me to the test. Hear what says the Lord of hosts, the God of angel armies. If I will not open you the windows of heaven, and pour you out a what? Why is it so important in context? The blessing wasn't working in the entire nation. He says, I'm going to pour out a blessing. The Hebrew for pour out says empty out. He says, I'm going to overflow you with the blessing. That there should not be room enough to receive it. Notice he didn't say blessings. He didn't say things. He says, I'm going to pour out what I promised to you in Deuteronomy 8. I'm going to pour out what I said was the fulfillment of my promise to Abraham and to you because I love you. I'm going to pour out the empowerment to prosper. I'm going to pour out the power to get wealth. I'm going to pour out the blessing on the work of your hands. So that there shall now be room enough to receive it. So much power going around, there's not enough people to carry it all. And I will rebuke the devourer for your sakes. They were being devoured. The devourer is still out there. But now you get to rights of tithers. That the devourer does not have permission to eat up everything I have because I'm a tither. Remember, we said you have to get your mouth right. It doesn't mean the devourer is going to sit back because you tithe. No, the devourer is going to want to devour because you tithe. But you have to open your mouth and say, not today, Satan. 
You cannot steal from me. I found you, and the thief be found, he must pay up double, other places seven times, and all the substance of his house. So you're found out, and you have to pay up. You have to open your mouth and speak the word. You have to plead the blood. You have to stop the enemy in his tracks. And he shall not destroy the fruits of your ground. Neither shall your vine cast your fruit before the time that he says the Lord of hosts, the God of angel armies. So angels are going to be involved in this process. And all nations shall call you what? For you shall be a delightsome land, says the Lord of hosts, the God of angels armies. So as we close, did you forget? Some people forget that it was the blessing that prospered them. And began to live however they want to live and short-circuit the blessing. Others forget this power even exists. And struggle to get ahead by their own fleshly efforts, only obtaining what their hand can grasp. Either way, you've been reminded today, so don't forget. The blessing can take you further than you ever imagined. Do not let anything get in the way of your life walking in the blessing. The blessing is too important, the blessing is too precious, and the blessing is too powerful. And these days and times, you need an overflow of the blessing working. Amen. Well, stand to your feet. I hope you enjoyed today's message. We never want to close a broadcast without giving you an opportunity to make Jesus the Lord of your life. So if you've never asked him into your heart, you've never made him your Lord and Savior, pray this prayer with me today and mean it from your heart. Say, Heavenly Father, I believe that Jesus is your son. I believe that he died for me, but on the third day, you raised him from the dead. Dear Lord Jesus, come into my heart. Save me now. Forgive me of my sins. Fill me with your spirit and help me to live this Christian life. If you prayed that prayer and meant it from your heart, we believe you've been born again. We ask that you email us at info at FCCGA.com. That's FCCGA.com to let us know about the decision you've made for Christ today. Have an amazing day.